Hi, welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm April Fallon. Enjoy this episode. Welcome to Adoption Now, your adoption show. I'm your host, April Fallon. Hey, we are starting a new group called Adoption Now Warriors, and we'd love for you to join us on Wednesday night for prayer. We recognize we cannot do Adoption Now alone, and we need a team of people praying. So if you want to be a part of that group, just go to Adoption Now on Facebook and join that group. And if you want to donate on Adoption Now, we are a nonprofit, and you can donate through Facebook as well by clicking on the Donate button, and you can now subscribe to our podcast right there too. Thank you to all of you who have been supporting us so that we could get this podcast up and running and continue to record these amazing stories. We are on all platforms. This is super exciting for us. We're on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, iHeart, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, and now we're on Audible. It's so fun to tell everybody that wherever they look, whatever platform they listen to podcasts on, you can definitely find us. So if your friends and family are like, I don't have Apple, it's okay. They can find a way to hear your story. All right, our guest today joins us from the Midwest, and this interview is a long time in coming. Tiffany is a writer and adoptive mother. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. This is a long time that we've waited to do this. Right, yeah, it's been a long time. (laughs) I think we connected back in season one. Mm -hmm. We did, several years ago. So you put your story in right before... We took a break. So we've had a couple years pass and here you are. God has the best timing. Well, I'm I'm so excited to be here finally. And so much has actually changed in our life too. So Yeah, and I think that's really cool because a lot of times people have put their stories in and come on the show and said, in that two years, we actually adopted again, or we started a publishing company, or we wrote another book. So it's kind of exciting to see how much has changed. But let's start at the very beginning of your story. Sure. So we got married when we were 20, and we decided to wait five years to have a family. Um, God surprised us, though, and we actually ended up having, well, we ended up getting pregnant um, as a, it was a surprise, and we lost that baby um, at 16 weeks along. The thing about it, though, was we had not... We had not been entirely sure that we could have children biologically. So adoption was always our plan. We were pleasantly surprised, obviously, but also heartbroken that we lost the baby. But in the back of our minds, we had planned on adopting. So it wasn't really like as devastating, I guess, to it, as it would be to some, if that makes sense. But we ended up having another biological child a year after we lost that baby. And he was just a blessing. I mean, just, he was just an answer to prayer, to be honest with you. Um, And then we had another child two years later, Ava. After that, we had a couple more miscarriages, actually. And we were like, kind of at that point, you know, do we adopt? Um, Is this, is this the timing? Because we were, we were still planning on adopting, even with biological children. Um, That was just always on our heart. When I was Seven is when I first learned about adoption, and I was like, let's do it. <laughs> I was seven, and I was like making a plan on how we could adopt. 
someday. And I was trying to convince my parents to adopt and, you know, all of this. And Jeff actually felt the call to adopt in middle school as well. Like, you know, before we were together, of course. And um, so it just always was like a desire, I think, that God placed in our hearts just at a really young age. We had Teo and Ava, and then we had two miscarriages, and we were prayerfully considering what to do next. Um, We ended up getting pregnant again and had a healthy pregnancy and healthy birth, and Liam was born in 2011. Um, And then shortly after that, we actually, Teo got really sick, our oldest son, he was five at the time. And we found ourselves in a in a place that we just didn't ever expect to be in. He was just so ill um, in the hospital. We were in the pediatric ICU a couple hours away from home. What were his symptoms? Right. So um, what took us in in the very beginning was he had kind of, well, he was always a sickly child. He just got sick a lot. Um, If there was something going around, he caught it. If we went to the library, he got sick. Like he had all the side effects to all the medications. Like he just really had a rough, (laughs) a rough go of it. Um, When he was two, when Ava was born, he actually started vomiting a lot and he just couldn't keep things down. So we looked into different, you know, specialists and all the different things that you could think of. food allergies and digestive issues, you know, anything. Um, We did all of that and we just kept coming up with nothing. You know, they kept telling us that he was fine and he's growing and maybe he just can't eat that right now or maybe he's teething or, you know, all of these things. And, you know, in my heart, I knew that wasn't what it was. There was something wrong. So fast forward to he's five years old, and we thought we kind of had a handle on things, Um, made some dietary changes, um, just kind of upped some probiotics and things like that. Um, And the doctors still were kind of like, he's growing. Hopefully it's just a season. It's a phase. He'll grow out of it. He ended up with bronchitis, and we took him in, and he wasn't able to take like to keep his medication down. So they ended up doing um, a shot of medication, antibiotics for him. But whatever his reaction was, whatever, whatever spurred his reaction, I don't know if it was, I mean, we can't, we can't sit here and point fingers at like, it for sure was that medication or it was, you know, whatever um, it triggered in him an, an immune response that actually kind of like turned on all of his immune system and it went into kind of overdrive and it just started shutting down his organs. So that was on a Monday that he had that shot. And by Thursday, we were in the ER um, being transferred to the children's hospital two hours away. His kidneys were failing. And that went on for five and a half weeks. What were they telling you in that five and a half weeks? Um, well, at first, we really thought we had answers that first day. We kind of thought um, it was just kind of a, to put it <laughs> kind of lightly, but a fluke, like this, whatever virus he had had kind of caused his 
his kidneys to not function and that they just needed time to heal, which we found after about three days was not the case because he wasn't healing and he was getting worse. The dialysis wasn't helping. Um, It was starting to go into other organs. His fevers were still there, just things like that. So there was this very, oh my goodness, just such a kind doctor there who had seen a case like this before and she was she was actually nine months pregnant she was just and she was so sweet and she just came in just like as this mom right and she just came in and was just like you know we need to test for this and no one had thought of that and and so I just it's really cool looking back to see how God kind of places people in your life Mm -hmm. but he ended up having something called HLH which just, it, it's exactly what that is, is just, it kind of turns on all of your, you have an immune response to something simple. So it could be a cold or some virus, and it just kind of like triggers your immune system, and it just revs up and starts fighting itself. And so they they did the best <laughs> they could at that hospital, but they they were trying to get us transferred to another hospital that was more specialized in that. Um, Taylor just was not, he wasn't healthy enough for that. Um, there was like a very short window of time that we were very hopeful that he was on the way to being healthy enough um, for like a bone marrow transplant and all of these things at this other hospital. Um, the window didn't last long. And we ended up losing him after five and a half weeks. But in that five and a half weeks, I mean, we just saw such such peace and felt God's just hand on us and um, hand on Tejo in a way that is just really unexplainable. Um while we were there, we met other kids and saw other babies that were there alone. And I mean, just alone, alone. And it was really, it was really difficult to watch that as we're sitting there surrounded by people helping us care for our other kids so that we could be there with Teo every, I mean, like he was never alone. One of us was there all the time, and I don't know. It was just kind of like it stirred up that passion for adoption again in both Jeff and I through that. I mean, I know we were grieving and hurting, and um, but we were watching this like our lives are too short. It's just it's fleeting, you Mm. know, and watching Teo and his short life and how he was loved by a family. And we, I mean, we would have, and so many people, I mean, anyone would have given anything for him. Mm-hmm. And I think every child deserves that. And, and Jeff and I walked away from, from the hospital, just like ready for that, I guess, like ready to fight. Yeah. Fight for another child. Every time I hear the story, I cry. I mean, when I read the story, when we pre-interviewed right now, it's just so devastating to hear that you had to be in the hospital room on the last 
moments with your child, but you said that something amazing happened in those last moments. Yeah. Just the holiness of being with him, holding him. Um, you know, Jeff, Jeff is a worship leader and Cheo had favorite songs and Jeff just sang over him and I just held him. And there's just something, there really is something holy about that moment where they meet their creator, but he just, he took his last breath and I just, I just felt holy. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was kind of, it was like when it reminded me of when he was born and they handed him to me and he looked at me and he wasn't crying. It wasn't a scary thing, but he wasn't crying, but it was just like, he he looked deep into my soul, you know, he's mm-hmm. just like this. He was always this old soul. And just some of the things that he said while he was in the hospital, even, um, it was just like, he understood more then we understood him to understand, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and holding him as he, as he took that last breath and just surrendering everything to the Lord, just, we're just so small in all of this, you know. Did you and Jeff go through a time of being angry? Um, such a hard question for me. I, I don't feel like I can answer it for him. Um, we've had our moments, right? Like, like anyone going through hard things. Um, I think, yes, I've been angry. I can't say that I have always directed my anger. Like it hasn't always been directed at, at God. Um, but And I don't think I have sat in the anger towards God, but I have been angry and I have, and maybe, maybe my asking why stems from being angry, but I have, I have kind of gone through a last, last 18 months of just kind of like, why, why do all of these things happen? (laughs) Like why, why Teo? And, you know, why are all these other kids without families surviving you know, they don't have any medical care and how are they surviving? And like my son had everything like doctors that would have done anything for him Mm -hmm. and praying, praying and praying praying and and why, why didn't God answer in that Mm -hmm. way? You know, I Mm -hmm. think that that's really hard for a lot of people is when you go through such deep tragedy and you wonder why God chose to do it that way. And that's where I think you're right when you say we're just so small because Mm -hmm. we don't understand the bigger picture and he's there with us in the grief. I just thank you for for applying to be on the show, but also for coming and just being so vulnerable. And in the show, I always feel so honored when people come on and, and really share deeply from their heart and it's heartache There are a lot of times of just complete heartache and people are so vulnerable like you've just been. And through that, we see that God is in the midst, even when 
he doesn't answer the way we want him to. That's so true. And and he didn't answer the way we wanted him to, but he did answer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he did. And Teo isn't suffering. And I don't think, I think there are just so many things in this world that aren't going to make sense to us mm-hmm. until we get to heaven, you know? Yeah. And that's where faith comes in, right? Where you believe, I mean, I've been through some things before and thought, I just don't want to believe anymore. I just, I just can't believe anymore. And I realized that it was more painful to not believe. I felt more alone in not believing and choosing to reject faith than I did going through the grief with God and not having the answers. We don't always get the answers and it doesn't make sense. And I'm sure the people around you just felt deflated. And I mean, what a time of grief. But let's talk about as you moved forward, what came out of that grief? Right. So well, we, we've always, we both come from kind of big families. Um, I've always wanted a big family. At that point, um, we were both 28. And Teo passed away January 13th of 2012. And so you walk, I, we walked out of the hospital and I just remember driving home and, and walking into our house that didn't feel like home anymore. And just, just looking around and just thinking, what now? Like, God, what, what in the world? (laughs) What am I supposed to do with myself now? And, um, we took, we took time off of everything. Um, Jeff took more time off of work and we just kind of were a family trying to navigate what to do next. Um, just how to, how to be. How did your daughter respond? Um, she, she's three and Taya was her best friend. So she kept asking if Jesus was going to bring him back, um, drop him off. If Jesus was, you know, like she had questions like, is Jesus giving him ice cream? Is, you know, like all of these things. Um, she would, we would go to Walmart and she would tell like the greeter person, like our entire life story. You know, my brother just died. He's in heaven. He's with Jesus. Someday we get to go be there too. Like, you know, just the entire life story as I'm like pushing the cart. <laughs> like, I can't do this right now, you know, but it was just such this uh, childlike faith that really, I mean, our kids kept us going. Okay. So 2012, you're moving forward. You take some time off. How long before you decide we're going to start the process of adoption? Um, At that point, I felt like having another child biologically was scarier. (laughs) And once, and I think so many adoptive parents go into adoption, like this is the, the less painful way, maybe. Right. Like I, I hear that a lot. we're, we're going to adopt now after we're done having biological kids, we'll just adopt. And they make it, it's, it's so romanticized, which is really horrible. I mean, it's really, it's such a lie, right. To romanticize such a tragic thing in a child's life. Um, but I think we just don't, we don't think about it. We don't, we're not doing it intentionally. We didn't go into adoption with the intention of romanticizing anything. Um, We didn't go into it as if we were rescuing. We didn't do any of that. We started um, actually foster care classes. We got to the last class. And of course, reunification is the main goal of foster care. 
you want to reunify families, you want to keep them together. Um, we got to that point and Jeff and I kind of looked at each other and we're like, we're not, this is not for us right now. We, we had just lost Teo. We, our biggest thing was we didn't want Ava to go through that over and over and over and over again. So we started researching, um, started researching international adoption options. And to be honest with you, there weren't as many as I thought um, because there were just age restrictions in place in so many different areas. And um, some of the travel was just too much for us. We couldn't, Jeff couldn't take that much time off work or, you know, there were just different, different things that kind of, I guess, guided our decision. So we ended up adopting from the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, thinking that the process would be quick, thinking that we would get to bring our kids home that year. We were kind of diving in. <laughs> just It just seemed like a really good fit for our family. They were, and we met some people that had adopted from there and um, just heard a lot of good things about these programs. Um, we actually were matched with our daughter. She, in March of 2013, and we had to set out just to adopt one child. Now, we had been given the advice that when you get your home study done, to make sure that you are approved for more than more than you think you're going to adopt. Because internationally, if they find a sibling, or if you, yeah, if they find a sibling, or if you decide to adopt two children, it was much easier just to add on rather than start over. So we were approved for two children. We went in thinking we were going to adopt one. We were um, matched with Issa, our daughter. And this whole time, I'm like, God is just kind of like, you know, kind of nudging me. And I'm over here like, okay, God, if you really want us to adopt two children, you're going to have to tell Jeff yourself. (laughs) Like, I can't be the one to do that. I just felt like there's no way, you know. So two weeks after we had accepted Issa's referral, Jeff was up early. I got up to kind of, you know, fix breakfast and all that stuff. And he pulled me aside and he's just like, Tiffany, I think God wants more of us. And I'm like, okay. He said, I think we need to call and find out if there are any other children waiting to be adopted in her foster home that she's already bonding with. So I'm over here like, oh my gosh, okay, <laughs> you know. So I, I call our caseworker and she said, no, everyone's matched. Um, you know, that kind of closed the door for me. I'm like, okay. So then that was around nine o'clock in the morning. By noon, I got a call back from her and she said, Tiffany, you would not guess what just happened. And I'm like, you know, I just, whatever, I couldn't, I wasn't prepared for what she was going to tell me. And she said a little boy just came into care. They placed him in her foster home. Um, you know, they're already working on his paperwork because he had been in care for a while, but they hadn't placed him in the foster home at, um, until then. And, um, you know, I want you to, I'm going to send you a picture. I think you need to pray over him. So we did. And he was our son. <laughs> so we, we said yes to that referral. And, um, we ended up bringing home Crusoe and Isa. in, well, Isa came home in 2015 and Crusoe came home in 2016. So it was a long wait. And how old were they when you first got matched? It's a long wait. Yeah. Um, when we first got matched, she was 18 months and he was three. 
Okay. And then when do they come home? So she was four and he was six. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did you have to go back and forth? So we went over once. We did. We went over once. We met them. It was excruciating to let go. Mm -hmm. Um, And they still remember. They still remember that. They they will tell us, like, we were crying. We were crying all the way, Mm. all the way home in a car. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, I know. So was I. So, yeah, it was it was really hard. It was really hard. It's amazing what children have to endure. You know, uh that they have to go through that separation and that they have to. Yeah wait, they they get this moment with you, this love, and then they have to go back and wait for the paperwork. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing to do to change that. But it's just so unbelievable how much these mm-hmm. little people have to, to go through. Yeah, it, it really is. And I mean, I wish it was simpler. Like from our perspective, it would make sense for it to be simpler, right? Um, and the way I tell it to them is because they, they've asked us, like, why did you wait so long to come get us? But clearly, it wasn't our choice <laughs> to wait that long. Um, and we just tell them, listen, we did the best we could with what we had. And we, the government has all of these things in place to protect you. Like, they really believe they're protecting you. They want to make sure that they're without a shadow of a doubt you didn't accidentally get separated from your parent or, you know, any of these things. Um, and they, they try the best. You know, I do believe that they, they try their best to do what they think is best for the children. Um, and it just ends up sometimes things are just hard mm-hmm. and our kids are amazing though. I mean, they have, they've just grown so much and they, I don't know. I tell them all the time. I'm like, I don't know how we got the best kids in the world, but we somehow have six of the best kids in the world. And it's just, it's incredible. We're just thankful. I just Just want to go back to something you said before when you started the process and you said, how will we afford this? And I want to say to our listeners, if you are just during the process, the money will come. It always comes. Absolutely. And that should not be something that stops you. The money will come. And in your story and my story are very similar because you actually had a house fire. We did. And that money helped you with your adoptions. And that seems very tragic. Like going through that, how is that going to help you? But it did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And actually during our, like I said before, we have such an amazing community here and they did fundraisers for us and they supported us. And there was, there were all kinds of ways I could go into that. But one thing too was there was a point in our adoption where it was taking longer than we expected. And we didn't know how we were going to come up with that money. There were two points actually, um, two big, big, <laughs> big chunks of money that we needed. And we were just like, I went to our pastor's wife and I was just telling her about it. And she said, God's going to provide because these are your kids. And, and she just had such faith. And I was over here like, how is this going to work out? You know, running the numbers logistically, how is this going to work out? And, and literally that week I called to check on um, one of our accounts through one of our grant agencies that we had used. And um the lady said, well, hang on a minute. And then she came back and she's like, I just had to double check this because I've never seen anything like it. And we had a, an anonymous donation of $20,000 into our account. Oh my gosh. And 
it was like literally the exact amount that we needed to keep our adoption going. The process just took so much longer than anyone expected that our agency had to, you know, charge more to keep our kids in foster care, to keep them fed, to keep them going to school, to keep them safe, um, to cover medical expenses, you know, all mm-hmm. of that. Um, it just cost more. It just cost more to do that overseas. And, um, and that's what we were praying for. And God provided that week and just, here you go, <laughs> you know, and I still have no idea who it was. That is but, um, the best. And in our there. story, and people know this, but when we were adopting in Florida, a storm came through, a hailstorm in Colorado. It destroyed our entire roof. It totaled our car. This is why we're gone in Florida. And after we found that out, we all went to eat and somebody broke in our car and stole <laughs> all of our computers. And we are like... <laughs> This is awful. And it mm-hmm. ended up all working out. It's just mm-hmm. one of those things you go through all these trials and they are to benefit you often. And so the money will come. I always say that. And through fundraising, fundraising wasn't a thing when we first started adoption. We didn't know that was possible. But now it's so, so common for people to have fundraisers. So I it just is, want to hit that money is. thing again. God will provide. God does provide. He does. So you went on and had another baby and you said that baby brought your family all together. Yes. So um, we had Luca in 2018 and so, you know, two years, but pretty much two years after the other kids came home and a lot of times, especially in situations like with our son, he had been moved multiple times while he was in Congo Um, and we were a little concerned that he would feel replaced by this baby. Um, it really was the opposite. It, it solidified their place in our family so much. Like they got to be a part of us bringing this baby home. They got to, they got to see that they weren't being replaced. They got to be a part of his life and help take care of him. And it was really such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And what's his name? His name is Luca. Mm -hmm. That is so sweet. And I think it's such a blessing that you ended up having another little baby. And people say that often that they bring home a baby and it brings everyone together. We had that happen as well. Our last baby, we didn't know if we were going to get her. We didn't even know if we should get her. And when we brought her home, it gelled our family together. It was the very piece that we needed. Yes, yes, it is. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Tiffany. I know your story is hard to tell, I'm sure for you. And our listeners are so appreciative of the honesty and truth that you spoke today. And I know that there are listeners out there who needed to hear that and something happened in their heart because you shared that. So thank you again. You have a blog. Tell everybody where they can read because you talk about loss of a child. You talk about adoption, foster care. Where can people find that blog? Mm-hmm. Um, And it's N-A-R-D-O-N-I for anyone trying to spell it. (laughs) Perfect. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me so much. And thank you for listening. If you have an adoption story you'd like to share, please email us at afallon at adoptionnowpodcast.com. We'd love for you to subscribe to our weekly podcast and follow us on social media. Thank you for joining us on Your Adoption Show. See you next episode.